Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. We work hard at being healthier. What? And what we really need is better quality sleep. The new Sleep Number 360 Smart Bed intelligently senses your movements and automatically adjusts your comfort and support on both sides. This is not a bed. It's proven quality sleep. It's the biggest sale of the year where all beds are on sale. Save 50% on the new Sleep Number 360 Limited Edition Smart Bed, plus special financing only for a limited time. To find your local Sleep Number store, go to sleepnumber.com. Special financing subject to credit approval. Minimum monthly payments required. See store for details. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Podcast. Pete Sweeney here with Joel Thorman. Sean Barber is out this week, but he'll be back next week joining us for a new recap show on Tuesday. So we're adding another show. It's good news. Uh, but let's talk about what's been happening in the land of the Chiefs uh, coming off a gigantic win against the Patriots. We're going to turn the page on this podcast, the Philadelphia Eagles this Sunday at noon, home opener. But Joel, uh, you're a longtime Chiefs fan. You run Arrowhead Pride. You've been doing this a long time. How special was this win for you? It was incredible. Um, it'll it'll absolutely be one of those games that we mentioned like 10 years down the line. You'll just say the Patriots game, and everyone will know exactly what you're talking about. So I definitely think it's going to be like a game, you know, a game that you always reference for years and years. Um, yeah, it was it was amazing. One of the best best wins, biggest upsets. Incredible. Yeah, I was watching the game, and I think the, the, when, you, when you went into it, what you were thinking is, okay, you just hope for them to be in the game. Right. But, but then, you know, as halftime flipped, it's a one-score game, and you start to see, wait a minute, they're getting a little bit of pressure on Brady. Maybe they could play with these guys. And then all of a sudden, what you had was this gigantic statement game where the Chiefs have been sort of teetering along that right. line of the elites of the AFC for so long, and this was a statement that said, you know what, we're here. I, I definitely had a moment in the third quarter where I was like, whoa, like the Patriots offense like actually isn't playing that well, you know, and just like the, you know, everything I'd been watching just kind of hit me and you're like, wait a minute, they have a chance. So it's like this, like I can go back to almost the exact point in the game where I realized it, but you just kind of, was, you know, we spent all summer assuming that, you know, they're going to play them tight, but they'll lose. And then all of a sudden it's there. And speak about statements, speak about big ideas in Chiefs land, Alex Smith this week, out of nowhere with a surprise interview. Uh, Graham Bensinger is his name, in-depth with Graham Bensinger. Uh, this was the big news yesterday. Alex Smith being very, I would say, un-Alex Smith, if you will. And we're going to go to a clip, and then we'll kind of discuss what we learned yesterday from this in-depth interview uh, that kind of came out of the blue. Why, d- during a game, when you're on <laughs> the sidelines, would you be computing your quarterback rating? Yeah, I mean, I can... Uh, specifically, I mean, remember, obviously, thinking about completion percentages and ratings and things like that. 
I felt like yeah, getting drafted there, kind of the dawn, this like the birth of fantasy sports were kind of just up and rolling and getting going. And yeah, there was so much emphasis, right? Uh, like the bottom ticker, you know, regardless if you won or actually how you probably played on a play-by-play basis didn't really matter. It was like all anybody saw was like your stat line, right? Like, oh, well, he went, you know, 16 of 24 for like a touchdown and like one whatever. Like uh, his rating was this. Um, and sometimes, and then it's actually not, there, there's a lot of times like you can have a great rating and like you, you actually on like critical plays maybe didn't didn't really do it, mm-hmm. you know, and you didn't really help your team when it counted and vice versa. Like you could have played like, man, like it was a tough game, tough opponent, man, big moments. You stepped up, made some big plays, really helped the team win. Uh, we're critical, right? Um, but rating wasn't great, you know, and, and uh, that always doesn't carry over. So like internally, like, man, I felt like, I, you know, he played pretty dang good and battled and, and rating wasn't great and vice versa. Played like crap and big moments weren't there, but yeah, my stat line looked clean. You still do that? You know, that's always there, and it's still there, too, because it's only gotten bigger. The fantasy thing's only gotten bigger. Uh, stat lines are even more, you know, I, I, more people come up and say, man, I, I got you on my fantasy team than ever. And uh, But so you'll be I'm on the sideline No, I don't now. do that now. No, I've got, sure? I've got, yeah, I got a lot more it in me than that. What does that mean? I just think, and it took me a long time, I think, to kind of get the, uh, uh, to build that up to, like, you care less deep down in about making, trying to get people to like you. And it took a long time and a lot of air um, to get to the point to kind of build up, you know? Yeah, a good amount of it. <laughs> and, and, uh, <laughs> and like, so yeah, like I, I see my, st- like now, like, man, I could, I've, I've gone through so much. I could care less trying to um, uh, make some fantasy owner or prove something to somebody out there. I'm, I'm doing everything I can uh, to be in the moment and, and, and uh, help my, my football team win, win games, right? What can I do to help the Chiefs win games? Joe, Joe, who is this guy? That was awesome. That was really, really awesome. Just saying F it right there. And that's true. I mean, Alex is kind of, you know, ever, ever since he's gotten a little more established, maybe after the contract ex- extension where, you know, he was kind of done having to prove a lot of things, um, you know, it, it did feel like he got this, like, more confident, like he's more – you know, confident in himself in the type of game that he has and that, you know, he knows sometimes 185 yards and a touchdown is a good game, you know? Yeah, and, and it's just interesting to me because Alex Smith, and I said this yesterday on the article for com. he's a guy that in the week-to-week press conferences, he, he's pretty calm and, and he's pretty reserved, guarded, really great to see him for whatever reason, and you know, I don't, I don't want to uh, poo-poo on this journalist, but I had never heard of Graham Bensinger right. with this guy you don't really know of. Just being completely honest, like we've never seen him before, and it made a guy that before you, you're like, it does he have like a really interesting personality? And and, and what you realize is, yeah, the answer is yes, he, he he did. I couldn't quite tell, but it looked like to me that interview took place right around training camp, and you know, I'm trying to imagine like Alex's you know, kind of attitude heading into camp because I think he did need the, the fuck it. <laughs> um, attitude, you know? So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I, I, was, I was pretty impressed with the interview. As with anything, this raises more questions among the Kansas City media, and Andy Reid once again asked yesterday about going up and getting a quarterback. Yeah, so well, that's a pretty important position. I, I said this right from the get-go, so there's any different. Uh, and Alex knows, I mean, he's not getting any younger in this business. 
And so, um, you know, you always want to stay up on that position, whether, you know, he plays today or he plays five years from now, ten years from now. But you want to make sure that position is solid at this level. So if you have an opportunity to go up and get one, especially where we finished, you take that chance of doing that. And that's, that's kind of how I've, I feel as you go in. Um, uh, the process is if, if you like one there, uh, go get it. I learned that from Ron Wolf a long time ago, Matt Hasselbeck. Sent me out looking at 12 different guys. Said, find one. So we found one, and then uh, he drafted him up there, you know, higher than I thought he would. But he says, if you got one, go get him. And uh, it seemed to work pretty good for him. And that's one thing you learned in the interview, you know, with Graham as well, is that Alex wants to play for another five to seven years. And he actually says the words, I want Patrick Mahomes to sit for a while. And if you're a Chiefs fan, I don't think you should be mad about that. You should be pumped oh. because now you have two quarterbacks who could reasonably play in a National Football League game. When's the last time you could say that in Kansas City? Uh, it's been a long time. Um, but, I, you know, since quarterbacks are never – it's never simple in Kansas City, I've thought for a while, and I'm going to write this once I think about it a little more, that I can see how this is going to go. It's not going to be a simple transition of power. Alex is going to play so well this year that it's going to be like a super difficult offseason question, you know, whether he stays or goes. That's that's my prediction, that it is not going to be obvious at the end of the season what to do. It would be such a Kansas City thing yeah. if, like, he – plays amazing up to the AFC title game and then has like lays an egg. And then you just have that question where it's like, we don't really know where before we were like, okay, this is what he has to do. And we, we know if he does this, he'll, he'll stay. If he doesn't, he doesn't. But yeah, I could see it being a little bit of a gray area moving in the offseason. And I mean, we'll, we'll talk about this uh, more as the season goes on, but I don't think the cap hit is so much that it's not a question that, you know, like I think it's very possible that Alex comes back and even if he's not starting the full season, like the cap goes up so much every year, it would not kill the team. And it's the most important position in sports. So if you need a little reassurance there with a the guy, like I'm okay with that actually. Right. And, and listen, I know it's just one game, but more than 350 yards, four touchdowns against the Patriots. You got to see how he follows that up. I, I know I think Reed is best at this and saying, you know, it's just one game, and, and we hear it all the time. Sometimes it's to a nauseating degree, but at the same time, you kind of like it because if, if you just win that Patriots game and do nothing the rest of the year, does the Patriots game matter that much? No. Right. So it's interesting to me what he does. And I'm joking yesterday on Twitter, like, this is the new Alex. It's like the NWO Hulk Hogan back in the day, like a little bit of a new attitude, a little bit of an edge, and he's fighting for his job. And yesterday's interview proved that he knows it, and it all starts again this Sunday against the Philadelphia Eagles. Bigger storylines to this game. You got Dougie Peterson, the karate kid, uh, coming in to face Mr. Miyagi, Andy Reid. Is, is that an interesting storyline for you? Absolutely. Um, this will be the second time that they played. So it gets, you know, by the third time they play, we won't be discussing this as much if Doug's still there. But yeah, uh, Andy Reid has had success against his former assistants. I think he's eight and three against his former underlings. So I think uh, that's that that spells you know probably good things for the Chiefs. And again, once again, uh, the the Chiefs are going to have the the coaching advantage this weekend. Yeah, it should be super interesting part of the game because. Both of these these offenses, their schemes are going to be pretty much mirroring each other. The same. Andy even said that that in Philly right now, what they're doing with Doug is basically the same. So you enter a situation where you know Doug knows what Sutton does pretty well. Sutton knows what Peterson does probably, which direction he's going to go in. And we talked about it a little last week between Andy Reid and Bill Belichick, the the chess match. 
this is another week where you can kind of look for that, I think. Yeah. Um, and, and once again, I want to see what different wrinkle Andy brings out for, for Doug Peterson, because I don't think he's just going to run, you know, the regular offense, whatever that is. I don't even know if there is a regular offense. You know, I think there's going to be some surprises in there that uh, Peterson and, and them aren't expecting very underrated part of the game. You know, Doug Peterson might have the best hair in the NFL. We get to see the silver fox. <laughs> yes, he does. Back at, back at Arrowhead Stadium. He wears that hat on the sidelines, doesn't he? Has no, a, maybe he doesn't. As a visor. Yeah, visor. That's right. That's right. It'll I, be that teal visor. This how, did, how did I forget the visor? I don't know. You know, you're, you're too distracted. You, you, we, there's so many things in Kansas City. It was the John Dorsey sweatshirt. There was the Doug Peterson visor. Andy Reid's now classic, I think. It's almost like a plastic shirt. <laughs> right. And t- speaking of uh, things on the sidelines that we never noticed, um, someone pointed out the Patriots defensive coordinator, Matt Patricia, has a pencil in his ear, but the play sheet he's holding is laminated. What's that pencil doing? You know, it could just be for show. Everyone needs a thing like Scott Van Pelt has as the glasses. You know, you've been you've been notorious around town for the sweatpants. Yeah. So. Got a nice pair of Adidas on now. <laughs> Real nice pair. Uh, but, yeah, no, it should be fun, I think, to have Doug Peterson, the number of assistants, back in the building. I'm interested in seeing how this game goes. Alex Smith actually asked about the game this week from that standpoint. And, and remember, it's an interesting question for Alex because he's not going to be playing. Doug Peterson, Peterson runs the offense. Uh, but still, interesting answer from Alex Smith. You know, I think when you know each other this well uh, and you're that familiar with each other, it's it's hard. I think a lot gets made of that. I mean, uh Who's making what changes? I mean, are you trying to counter even their change? You know, what if they do this? Are we going to counter that? I mean, you can kind of talk yourself in circles a little bit uh, back and forth on that. Uh, I mean, in the end, I think it's going to come down to who can execute out there. Uh, you know, for us on offense, I mean, that, we're getting ready to play that defense. So that's that I'm not playing Doug or the, or the offense. So uh, for our defense, there's probably a little more carryover. Uh, I'm not sure even what they've shown on film and how much they are the same as us. So hard to say, but. Uh, you know, for us offensively, trying to get ready for that defense, which there isn't a ton of familiarity with. Well, there you go. I mean, if in Alex Smith's world, he's focusing on the defense. Again, the offense should be pretty similar, and, and it remains to be seen how Sutton's uh, defense does against this Peterson offense coming in to try to knock off the Chiefs. It's two one and zero teams. Yeah, the Eagles' defense, especially, I'm really excited to see because I think they pose a few more problems than the Patriots did. And even on the, you know, the flip side, the Eagles offense too, like, a, you know, Carson Wentz is kind of an elusive guy. So it's, you know, two, two factors there that they haven't really seen this season. We'll get into more of the personnel when we come back. You're listening to the Arrowhead Pride podcast. Stay with us. Welcome back to the Arrowhead Pride podcast. Pete Sweeney here with Joel Dorman. We're talking about the Chiefs and the Eagles meeting up this Sunday, Arrowhead Stadium, noon, first home game of the year. You know the barbecues will be popping, music blaring in the in the parking lots. There'll be some beers flowing. It's always a good time at Arrowhead Stadium. It's the Eagles coming in, Doug Peterson's Eagles, and let's talk about the Eagles offense versus the Chiefs defense. Something that has, has stood out to me this week about the Chiefs defense, Eric Berry, obviously, is the big thing. You're not going to have Eric Berry for this game moving forward the rest of the season. Uh, but for as for guys who could play in this game, I'm interested in seeing if Benny Logan plays because this is his old team. And I've said this before. You, you'll hear a lot of guys say, you know, playing your old team doesn't matter. But guys want to play their old team. So a, a knee contusion, you wonder how healthy he is. But I, I think if there's any way, Benny's the type of guy that's going to want to play. And I think they need him. <laughs> you know, uh, they are they are deep along the defensive line. But I haven't seen – I mean, I, I can't recall Roy Miller – 
you know, any snaps that I've seen from him. I think there was a few in the preseason. If there's one saving grace to Benny maybe not playing, I watched a little film on the Eagles last week. Garrett Blunt didn't look that great. And, and, and they got two very different backs. You have Sproles back there, right. too. And, and then the running game didn't seem as good as the passing game. And that's Benny's specialty. So, so to me, if there's one saving grace about him potentially being out, that could be it. Right. Yeah, and, and you get to look at some other guys down there, uh, get Nacho back there at nose a little bit. So, yeah, I'd, I'd, I just want to know kind of the rotation behind Benny Logan, too, just because we the haven't Roy seen Miller. as much. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, some good wideouts for the Eagles. You look at this roster, Elshon Jeffrey, Torrey Smith, Nelson Aguilar. I mean, that's a pretty, pretty impressive tandem for this Chiefs secondary now uh, with Danny Sorensen and Eric Murray, you presume, at safety. You have Terrence Mitchell at cornerback and, of course, Marcus Peters, who Tom Brady avoided like the plague last right. week. So you wonder if that is now the blueprint on how to maybe beat the Chiefs. Because if Belichick is doing that, you got to think that, Everyone will. that teams are going to do that moving forward. No, I, I think that's a great observation. I think it's a smart move. Doug Peterson probably knows him, you know, the Chiefs defense as well as a lot of other coaches. So, yeah, I am, uh, I am excited to see these receivers, these Eagles receivers that you talked about. The secondary is going to have a lot of pressure this week because I don't think the Chiefs' pass rushers are going to get home very often against the, this Eagles' offensive line. It's one of the best in football. Uh, so I think Carson Wentz is going to have some time back there. And, you know, it's it's really good. It's, you know, it's kind of a good game to to test the secondary without Barry and see what they're really about. Could be a little trouble for Carson Wentz. Uh, only thing is the left tackle, Jason Peters, a little shaken up. He did practice fully as of Wednesday. But, I mean, if he's a little shaky, D Ford in that speed move, that's a tough guy coming at you on the right. Yeah, absolutely. And who knows what kind of blitzes Sutton's going to throw out there. He's always good for, you know, all of a sudden a safety coming up the middle and you're like, wait, what the, how, how did that happen? You know, so he'll, he'll absolutely have some of those, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it'll be, you know, if, if they can get a little bit of pressure, I'd be pretty happy if they can get him moving around a little bit. He looked pretty good in the pocket. I was, he that, looks I was, like Andrew Luck. I was very impressed with him in the pocket. last. Yeah. Time. I mean, he, he is, he is pretty mobile actually for being, I looked it up. He's six, five, 237 pounds. I can already see D Ford blasting around the edge, grabbing him by the waist and Wentz just like shaking him off. Cause he's so big. That's absolutely going to happen at some point during the game. You almost want to see to know passing. You'll get a few snaps in this game. Yeah. Why not? I mean, I, regardless of the opponent, I want to see him. He's just a fun guy to watch on, on the field. He's just a giant. Yeah. It looks like he's going to engulf the, the it, defender. It's really incredible to me. I, you know, I started a training camp and, and the biggest thing about to know to me is Typically, when you watch an NFL game, even on the sidelines, things like that, these players all kind of look similar. And, and, and like you and I are normal-sized humans, so next to each other, we just look normal. So they're gigantic-sized humans. They, right. they just look normal next to each other. To know Passigno, he looks enormous next to these already enormous guys. Right. Like That's a guy that you definitely want on your side and not the other way around. Yeah, you, you, can, you can definitely see some of John Dorsey uh, in that pick because I feel like Dorsey's always looking for the guy with like, the massive hands or the really long arms, you know? Uh, so, yeah, he's uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see if the Chiefs can actually get the, the potential out of him. It's obviously still super early. Two keys to watch for me in this game for both this game and moving forward for the Chiefs defense. Danny Sorensen filling in for Eric Berry, how Eric Murray fits into that picture, as well as what's happening with Terrence Mitchell and Philip Gaines uh, in these passing downs, you know, in the nickel and dime. Philip Gaines... Didn't look tremendous last week, but, I mean, they got the job done. Terrence Mitchell, from the broadcast angle, we mentioned it before we even started the podcast, 
he actually had a better game than people realized. He had a few bad penalties, and when that happens and you give up a ton of yardage, yep. you, ha- you look like you have a lot worse game than you do. There were 50, 60 snaps you know, on defense in, in these games, and for the most part, Mitchell was able to stay with these wideouts, and I just talked about the Eagles' wideouts. He's going to have to do that again this week for the Chiefs to have a, a good day on defense. Yeah, yeah. No, you, uh, you, you, we, we reviewed Terrence Mitchell's snaps, and like you said, the – he gave up two big passing plays that I think it was like a 50-yarder over the top to Brandon Cooks. And then, yeah, the penalties. And so that kind of colored your view of his game. But it was actually better than that. It was probably a little closer to the last few games we saw last season, which is a terrific sign, um, you know, especially with Steven Nelson out for a while. And then you you mentioned Eric Murray and Sorensen. I think Murray will be is more of like the cover guy. And I think he'll be more of like the natural replacement for Barry and Sorensen will kind of stay in his role as that like hybrid linebacker type. Um, I think uh, it's, you know, there's it, a lot it, of options just because of the versatility. Like Ron right. Parker is also a good cornerback. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that's I mean, that's what I was wondering last week. You know, if Ron Parker would cover some of the snap, the uh, slot. And yeah, he did. All right, let's flip the switch. We covered the Chiefs defense versus the Eagles offense. Now we're going to uh, change the page and go to the Eagles defense versus the Chiefs offense, which, I mean, let's, let's be honest, right now is the best in the league if you go by the quarterback and running back tandem, of course, one week. Uh, but as far as the Eagles defense goes, it all starts with defensive tackle Fletcher Cox. Yeah, so uh, Cox is a very good football player. He's our defensive tackle. Uh, they move him all around. Uh, but that, that front is good. That's um, you know, that, that's really a big strength of their defense is is the front four and those linebackers. Um, uh, they they put a lot of pressure on the quarterback. They've done it now for a couple of years, and and um, you know they, I think they they feel comfort in that part um, and the things that they do up front. So, but ninety one it starts with ninety one. He's a good football player. Like Fletcher Cox is the main guy to watch, but you wrote a little piece on it uh, yesterday. This Eagles front seven. Not only do they have a lot of talented players, but they move guys in and out. They have fresh legs all game. This would be a big test for the Chiefs O-line, who so far through the training camp and week one has looked pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I was I was uh, expecting a very good Chiefs offensive line this year, and, and you know, like you said, we're off to a good start. It's kind of interesting, not to get off topic sure. here, but they talk about the offensive lines being, you know, like, just offensive line play being bad in general around the NFL. And it's becoming like, you know, a crisis. And while that's happening, I see the chiefs offensive line, like getting better and better. So it's kind of interesting that they're going against the grain, but yeah, I love this test for the chiefs, uh, for the chiefs. That, offensive that's line. a huge, that's a huge underrated part of Kareem yeah. Hunt's game last week. I mean, he did have the 246 yards and, and you know, a bunch of that was receiving yards, but on the ground, it's like the Priest Holmes thing, you know, like right. if the offensive line is really good, isn't the run a bit running back going to benefit from that? And and this is another test. And as you mentioned, yeah, the offensive linemen, I mean, you saw the Saints on Monday night. If you watch that Monday night game, Drew Brees running for his life. Uh, you saw it in the Houston game. Calais Campbell looks like, uh, you know, usually when guys sign their deals uh, to become rich, yeah. th- they get a little bit worse. Calais Campbell has seemed to get even better. Like it seemed like, you know, not only is he signing with Jacksonville, he's trying to put Jacksonville on the map. And, yeah, so the Houston and New Orleans offensive lines looked really bad. And, yeah, you have Eric Fisher and Mitch Schwartz on the two sides. LDT is becoming one of the best guards in the game. Mitch Morse is always getting compliments. The only real question you have is Witzman, and then you have Fulton and Anger. If Witzman does falter right. as time goes on, you have a little bit backup for him. You know, at these other offensive line positions, you got to stay healthy. But 
they've shown no reason so far, knock on wood, for them to leave the game for any injury thing like things like that. Yeah, and that's probably an underrated part of Alex's improvement that we probably don't talk about enough is that offensive line play. And yeah, you mentioned the running, but also think about the pass play to Kareem Hunt. He was 40, you know, to get your running back 40 yards down the field and, you know, still have time in the pocket, like that's hard to do. The new Alex Smith threw that ball 35 yards in the air. Yes, the new Alex Smith. I think last year at one point when he had a good stretch, we started Alex Smith 2.0, but then, you know, he had like a one, you know, one pick game or something and we, we trashed that. <laughs> <laughs> let's, uh, let's calm down. Let's wait for a five-game stretch, I would think, at least. But, uh, yeah, no, so I think the strength of this Eagles defense is in their front seven, led by Fletcher Cox, who, by the way, was scouted and found by Brett Veach, interestingly enough. Yeah, I remember uh, Fletcher Cox being one of the – it was uh, Brett Veach's top finds were Fletcher Cox, LaShawn McCoy, and – Deshaun Jackson, I think, were three guys that he was, you know, quote unquote, pounding them on, uh, pounding the table for. Yeah, and Fletcher Cox, man, there there is nothing uh, I think more frustrating than like a dominating interior lineman because there's only, I mean, you get somebody coming up the middle like that, and it just ruins everything you want to do. So I I think that's going to be uh, a big problem this week. Yeah, and. I think for the Eagles defense to have success, they're going to have to get pressure because the secondary is not as strong. And one of their main guys, Ronald Darby, should be out with an ankle injury. And so you think about that. And Travis Kelsey didn't have the best week last week. And that's kind of the Patriots MO. They take one of your best parts of your offensive game and eliminate it. Uh, I think this is going to be a big week for not only Travis Kelsey, you know, sort of a rebound after last week's game, not as much production, but also Tyree Kill. Because if Darby is out... What is Tyreek going to go to do to this defense? Right. I think they're going to put a ton of attention on Tyreek Hill, and they're going to say to themselves, we're not going to let you know a 75-yard Tyreek Hill touchdown beat us. So I'm looking at a lot more of the underneath stuff and Kelsey coming back and uh, having a good game because the Patriots were just – the Patriots have always shut Kelsey down. So I kind of expected that. But, you know, thousand, almost 1,000 yards last year, there's only, there's only uh, so many games you can stop him. Yeah, I, I predict, and I'm trying to be optimistic after watching last week, I predict a good week on offense for the Chiefs. You know, if you put 42 points up on the Patriots, you got to think that there's going to be these other teams that you could at least put 28 points up. Again, you can't go by just one week of play. Right. You got to see it again. But just there's too much working for the Chiefs. They have three extra days where the Eagles were preparing for a Redskins team, you know, in division while Andy Reid's just watching tape and maybe having a light workout with his guys. Like, that comes into the mix, too, because you've seen Andy Reid's record against the bye. Yep. He doesn't want to lose to his old old guy. You know, we're going to see maybe the shovel pass, and maybe Travis Kelsey will take another snap at quarterback, for example. You know, it, it just remains to be seen. But I just see a lot of success for the Chiefs offense this week against a team the head coach does not want to lose to. Yeah. Oh, I don't think either team wants to lose, um, but especially Andy Reid against his guy, uh, for sure. Um, yeah. I, I, with if if the offensive line protects, the Chiefs are putting up thirty plus. Want to go to uh, a new segment we're going to have on the Arrowhead Pride podcast? We don't have our linebacker in today, so we're bringing in a wide receiver. This is called Danon Hughes's bold take. Used to play wide receiver for the Chiefs. Danon Hughes's bold prediction this week. Well, Pete, I don't know if it's bold uh, per se because. It's hard for me to pick against the Chiefs at home, especially in a home opener. Now, they've stumbled in the past at times at home for the home opener. A lot of anxiety, a lot of more responsibilities for players, et cetera. But the way they performed against New England Patriots in that tough environment, 
I can't imagine them having a letdown at the Arrowhead, at Arrowhead Stadium. So I'm going to say the boldest part of my prediction would be Chiefs by 14. I think that the offense is clicking. I like how Alex Smith seems to be stepping out of his comfort zone, and hopefully he can repeat a similar performance like he did against the Patriots. Now, Dana, you've been out there before for the home opener at Arrowhead Stadium. What can the players expect from this opening game? Well, the veterans know what they're going to expect. I think the the uh, excitement is going to be amped up even more because of what they were able to do against New England last week. So I think fans, the weather's going to be beautiful. The fans with Red Friday and, and all the uh, festivities that go on around town is just going to increase all of the excitement for this game. And to have Andy Reid going against his former team, Doug Peterson coming to town, they got some star power with Wentz and Alshon Jeffrey and Aguilar and Blunt. Uh, it's going to be a fun matchup. Uh, but the players, the ones that have not experienced Arrowhead at its best, uh, they're going to be in for something special. And their families that are coming in town, it's going to be a fun, fun day. Now, Danon, you mentioned Doug Peterson and Andy Reid. You expect a little bit of a friendly rivalry on Sunday? Oh, absolutely. Andy Reid, here's the thing. The, I always measure the respect of a coach by how the post-game handshake goes. And we've had coaches around here that were cold and distant, and we had coaches that didn't really approach our coaches and vice versa. So you can always garner and see the respect that Andy Reid has when he meets the other coach at midfield after the game. And I haven't seen him get the cold shoulder from anyone. Uh, so that tells me his respect is at the uh, apex. And, but, and obviously, Doug Peterson being one of his protégés, I can't imagine it being any different. If I'm Doug, I want to beat my mentor <laughs> as bad as I want to beat anyone else, even though I respect him. And I, I can imagine that Doug will have his troops ready to come in and battle and, and, and he's going to help. He's going to understand. He understands better than anyone on that roster what they're coming into, the lion's den that they're coming into with Arrowhead. And unlike when he was here as the offensive coordinator, he never had to worry about coaching his team on the crowd noise because when the offense was on the field, there was no noise. Now he's going to have to coach his little, his sophomore, second-year quarterback on how to deal with the loudest stadium in the NFL. And no matter how much noise and music they play in practice, it's not going to measure up to what he's going to feel on Sunday. Good point by Dane in there. It's something you don't even think about. Doug Peterson used to having the noise on his side. And welcome to the other side of that. Yeah, uh, I, I kind of wonder what that dynamic is like when you're used to coming into Arrowhead and it being such an advantage, you know, that it's such a good thing. And then all of a sudden it's you see the opposite of it because, you know, Andy Reid's never really experienced Arrowhead from the other side. Yeah, well, I, well a few times probably with the Eagles, but you play these guys so rarely. Uh, could, yeah, no, I was going to say you probably had like, I mean, you can probably go back and figure can, it out. So, like so 2009 little. or something. Right, right. Uh, it should be fun on Sunday. When we come back, we're going to bring Seth Kaiser in all the way from Minnesota to get his key for the game, and we're going to make some predictions. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to the Arrowhead Pride Podcast. Pete Sweeney here with Joel Thorman. We're talking about the Chiefs and the Eagles playing at noon on Sunday. 
home opener right now. We're going to bring in our resident film watcher, Real MN Chiefs fan Seth Kaiser. Seth, uh, you excited for this game on Sunday? I'm really excited for this game on Sunday. It's a really different type of matchup, and so we're going to be able to learn a lot of different things about the Chiefs from what we learned on Thursday. And you're a guy who obviously watches film. Sometimes you watch it twice. Sometimes you watch individual players. Uh, from what you've seen in the All-22 Chiefs-Patriots, uh, what's the big takeaway from that game? And then uh, flipping that, what's the key for them this game? I think the biggest takeaway above and beyond the obvious stuff, Alex Smith doing a little extra, uh, Justin Houston being back, um, were two things. One is that Benny Logan was a better pass rusher than I anticipated. He crushed the pocket a lot more than I thought he would. And then two, the offensive line played really, 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 really well. And moving forward into the game against the Eagles, they're going to be playing a much tougher front four. And so that's going to be really interesting to see if they can, if they dominate like they did against the Patriots, that would be crazy. The, the battle in the trenches. Yes. Yeah. You got to love it. I, I don't anticipate that kind of domination against such a good front, but if they can even hold their own, that really bodes well for the rest of the season. How big of a loss then if he isn't playing with, with the knee issue right now, would Benny Logan not being able to go in this game? I think he'd be a pretty big loss. Um, he was the only guy really crushing the pocket when the Chiefs were doing a bunch of three-man rushes early on against the Patriots. He's solid up the middle against the run. He's, he, he's, he's just a good player overall, and I don't know. I think what they would probably do is rotate Raheem Nunez-Rochas in there, and he's a solid player, but he's not quite the same type of player. So I think that would be, that would be a tough loss, but fortunately they've got a little depth on that defensive line between him and Roy Miller. Yeah, on the defensive side of the football, you, of course, have new Nacho to go along with new Alex. Right, and, uh, you know, Benny Logan, it would be, if he played and actually crushed the pocket, as Seth said, I'm sure Eagles fans would be going, what the heck? Because they, you know, because when they, uh, you know, when Benny Logan left, the, the thing that, you know, Eagles folks were saying was that, you know, he doesn't offer much of a pass rush. Very good against the run, but doesn't offer much of a pass rush. So I'm, I'm hoping he plays and he gets a sack, too. I mean, that would, that would be, be awesome. Hilarious. Yeah. Joe, so you, I mean, you get one win under your belt and now you become the savage. You want, yes. you want, you want to add some fuel to the fire. <laughs> more cheers. Uh, Seth, I want to hit you with one more point before we make some predictions for this game. Uh, an article came out today about Terrence Mitchell. I was able to watch the film of this game. He did look a little bit better to me than I initially thought. I actually put him in the loser column, which I felt bad about after the game because on the broadcast, um, a lot of penalties and a lot of bad penalties. And when you're watching yeah. the broadcast angle, that makes it look a lot worse than it was. But what were your thoughts on Terrence Mitchell against the Patriots? Like you said, the article came out, and you know what I do is I chart every coverage snap, and I chart it as a success or a failure. And he was successful on over 70% of his coverages, which is what I look for in a corner. I thought he had a pretty good game overall. He was just in a tough situation because they weren't throwing at Marcus Peters, and – Tom Brady is exceptional at seeing when his wide receivers are winning. So basically every bad snap that Mitchell had got put on full display during the broadcast. Right. And I got to tell you, most corners have at least five, six, seven, eight bad snaps in a game. 
They just don't usually get thrown at on every one of them. And that's what happened to Mitchell. And so it created the appearance of a worse game than it was. I'd like to publicly apologize to Terrence Mitchell. I know he <laughs> and all 52 other members of the Chiefs and Andy Reid are watching. So I just want to publicly sure. apologize um, to, to you. You're not a loser. You're, you're a winner, as a matter of fact, because the, the Chiefs <laughs> ended up winning uh, 42 to 27. Um, all right. Uh, let's switch it now to our predictions for this game. Big game Sunday. Chiefs and Eagles at noon. Prediction time, Seth. I'll let you start it off. I need a score and a little bit of your reasoning why. Uh, score. I'm going to go with uh, 31 to 17 Chiefs, partly because I'm compensating for predicting they would lose last week, <laughs> um, but partly because I just really like the matchup for the Chiefs. I do think the defensive line is going to give the Chiefs some problems, but I was watching you know, a bunch of analysis the there, there's a guy who covers the, the Eagles who does a fantastic job. I think his last name is Duffy on Twitter. He does a bunch of film analysis. And I was watching what they did against the Redskins to be successful. And they're so aggressive in their blitzes. And I think an Andy Reid offense led by Alex Smith chews that up. I think that's a bad matchup for them. I think they're going to be too aggressive, and I think they're going to, the Chiefs are going to take advantage. Andy Reid has shown, um, shown, a, shown a tendency to throw a screen at any position possible. So I, I exactly. Exactly. And Alex killed, exactly. Alex and killed the I, blitz against the Patriots, yeah. too. It's not a good idea to blitz Alex Smith. It doesn't usually go well. All right, Joel, your prediction for this game? Yeah, I've got 23-16. to 16. You know, I, I think if the offensive line plays like they did last week, the Chiefs will put up more points than that. But I just have a lot of respect for Fletcher Cox and that front seven. So I think they will give the Chiefs some problems, and the Chiefs will, you know, hold the Eagles to several field goals as they do, let them get down into the 20s and stop them. So 23-16, I see a Chiefs win. I'm going to go a little bold. I mean, this is the first game with Eric Berry out, turning it back to be bold, be brave, be Berry. I'm going to be real bold in my prediction this week. I'm predicting Chiefs 31, Eagles 3. I just am too confident <laughs> too confident in, in this offense right now, and I just don't see a, much of a run game with, with this Eagles offense, and I think the Chiefs can manage it on defense 31 to 3 Chiefs, and I think Andy Reid might, might have three stakes in celebration this week. They're, they're going to carry you out of here. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, I, I predict the Patriots would win last week. I feel really bad about that, similar to Seth. Uh, and, you know, maybe I'm just dialing up the confidence this week. No, I, I, I see that scenario. Absolutely. They, you know, the, the Eagles don't run the ball well. The Chiefs have a turnover fest. They play well inspired uh, for Barry. And the Alex Smith, the new Alex Smith is for real. And yeah, I mean, the, the black I, and white Alex Smith. Yeah, the NWO black and white Alex Smith. <laughs> Heel turn. Seth, any any final words from Minnesota as we close this podcast? Oh, uh, you betcha. I guess that's all I got. Uh, that's <laughs> nice. nice. Nice touch. Just reminding people that even though Joel and I work for this website, we are still very nice guys. So Seth, Seth, you know, turning up the niceness level for us, which is good. <laughs> it's uh, a very nice podcast. It's very nice. We're so nice. And uh, Seth, make sure you save us a room up there for uh, the in Minnesota for the Super Bowl in February. That's right. That's right. Oh yeah, ab absolutely. Everyone can come stay at my place. It'd big, be great. Big <laughs> Packers Chief Super Bowl turning back the clock. I'm Pete Sweeney. Thank you, Seth, for all your insight. Sean Barr will be back next week. Joel Borman, of course, the blog father. You can catch his stuff at OurHeadPride.com. After the game this week, we'll have all the regular stuff. Seth will be watching some film. Joel will have your updates during the game. We'll have winners and losers. Hopefully Terrence Mitchell's not on that list. I'm Pete Sweeney. <laughs> Thank you for joining us for the Arrowhead Pride podcast. It's been great having you guys.
Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seemed Smart. It Seemed Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seemed smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart.